Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control with the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver. Is it the fear of losing or is it the love of winning? I, I picked the fear of losing for sure. Yeah. Every game that we lost pretty much. And I mean, it kind of stayed with me until around the seventh or eighth grade. I would cry. It hurt me like just a, like a loss in the family. You know, I wanted to be like my heroes. Um, I watched Michael Jordan win a lot of championships and he was still winning. And I just wanted just a just a taste just a little, just what is it like on that small level? Just as that would be a great Saturday. This podcast exists because I love talking to people and I love going deep. The purpose is to plant seeds of inspiration. We enter a space of vulnerability and relatability. And what you realize is that we are so much more alike than we are different. To quote Ramdas, we're all just walking each other home. And this show is just one step. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm pretty intense. Today on the show, I have Chris Bosch, an amazingly accomplished basketball player. He's an 11-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA champion, Olympic gold medalist. And he has all of these accomplishments, but, but truly by the end of the interview, it's like, those are amazing, but his attitude and his perspective and his his general general energy is like even more amazing than his than his statistics and his and his records. He's a really in touch guy. Like he's and he has a lot of sight of himself. And he wrote a book called Letters to a Young Athlete and it just came out. There's just so many so many valuable aspects of what it took for him to get there and what he learned along the way. Um and also who's in, who he innately is and what made him who he is. So and then we also talked about some sports. So for you sports lovers out there, there's definitely some like cool like sports chat about like you know, amazing plays and what makes a good and bad teammate and stories from his, from his career. So there's uh there's something for everyone in here. And, um, just, you know, I got done with the interview and I was like, adorable. Like Chris is a really just genuine, wonderful human being. And he has so many nuggets of wisdom to offer us. So enjoy this interview with the famous and legendary Chris Bosch running into each other on the grid at Austin formula one. Like it was such a crazy atmosphere too. Like, I don't know if yeah. I've been in a, I mean, obviously I've been in some big races, but man, that was pretty, pretty electric. And there were so many people. And now we've had the F1 finale. There's so much to talk about. Um, yeah. But what I think was the most um, with what I was surprised by the most is you're there and you're like, you got a big old fancy camera and you're walking around <laughs> like either you're a photographer or like a really great, like a big fan. So which one or is it both? <laughs> it's both. I'm, um, I'm a better fan and photographer. <laughs> I'm an aspiring photographer. That's one of the things um, that I've been trying to do more of uh, with my life right now is to really take a deep dive into the arts 
And so ever since I was um, done playing, I mean, it's kind of like I picked up where I was in my teenage years when I made that decision to be like basketball. I still had, you know, these other um, things in my life that I love doing. Uh, photography was one of them. I used to, I mean, even um, in Toronto when my wife and I first met, um, I was running around the city at night with one of my friends, me and my, uh, me and my friend Will, and we would take pictures at night. <laughs> it was really? Like, yeah, I tag along with him and we go taking pictures and stuff like that. Well, what do you like to take pictures of? You know, I'm still trying to figure that out. But, uh, you know, the more I do it, of course, my kids, I have five children. So as they grow, I love just taking pictures just randomly on random days. But things that happen in real life, I guess, kind of uh, things from my lens. Um, I've been, you know, seeing so many cool photographers and talking with them. And and a lot of them is just the places and they go and the people they meet. And I think that I mean, that alone, I mean having a camera on the grid, that's kind of cool. I've never done that before. I've been lucky to be on a couple of grids and that was the first time with a camera. <laughs> so are you friends with Lewis? Me and Lewis, um, we met, uh, man, a few, it's been like five or six years ago, five or six years ago. And I was already a racing fan kind of, but one, once we met and, you know, meeting an F1 driver is an anomaly. And, um, we actually struck up a conversation before I knew what he did or who he was. And really? yeah, it was pretty funny. We were crazy story. We were at Glastonbury in, uh, in huh. England and um, we were there to see Kanye, which my wife and I and our friends, we were there camping out like for the whole festival. Oh, and wow. um, yeah. And Kanye was performing and we were backstage and that's where me and Lewis met. <laughs> well, what were you talking about? just just stuff sports and, and you know the environment the environment was so crazy and it was ratcheting up and getting closer to the show and once he told me he was an f1 driver then it's, it was like wow that's so fascinating i've watched it before but i've never even nascar or any indycar i've never met any drivers before and um we struck up a conversation about that and just life in general and then pretty much i want to say Less than a year later, we went to uh, Monte Carlo mm -hmm. to go watch him race. We all, me, um, me, Lewis, and Dwayne Wade, we uh, we all put in together and got a boat uh, yeah, off the coast of Monte Carlo. We we had to do it one time. That bill, when I got that bill, I wasn't a happy camper, but you know, we uh, we had a great time, <laughs> and he you, won the race. It was crazy. You earned your way <laughs> to those kinds of experiences, but. That's so what do like what do three such accomplished athletes talk about? Like, do you talk is it just like daily life stuff or do you guys get into it? And you guys talk about like life and like the challenges and the bullshit that happens and the things that you have to go through and yeah, the craziness that life is like, does it get into like the deep stuff? Sometimes that particular trip it did. Um and, you know, I think more so than anything, we talked about just our stories from where we come from. And, and it's so fascinating just to hear. In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code Somnium to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. 
different stories, but they're all kind of the same. The challenges that we all have to get over, um, obstacles in the way on your way to being the best driver ever, you know, um, you know, his ambitions, um, because I think um, he still wanted to win more championships and hopefully, you know, break records and stuff like that. But we didn't we didn't talk about that. It was just um, about life. We connected on music. We talked a, a lot about music. He's a great musician and, you know, he loves loves making music just like me so we you kinda, play the guitar right yeah i play the guitar you know i'm, I'm i have a lot of, of friends that uh, you know are multi-instrumentalists so i've been hanging out with them hoping uh, hoping that some of it rubs off on me <laughs> does Wade play anything um no not not really i'm a, i'm gonna push him i'm gonna push him to pick something up you what know does he it's need interesting to, do to complete the band like drums what do you need um <laughs> Uh, yeah what could he do you know what we need you know the front man that takes his shirt off all the time he would gladly <laughs> be that guy you know <laughs> okay i think okay, he'd be great yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the lead singer like With okay you, you yeah the showman you put on the show and we'll do the music <laughs> That's awesome. um well i think it's you know it's, it's always so cool to be able to know, like be in those situations with people that have gone through similar experiences in life. And, and, um, and I guess that's even what I found with, with doing this show is you end up realizing how much more similar we are than, than, than not. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you say like that there's actually a lot of similar themes in your lives growing up. What would you say a coming, you know, people like D Wade or Lewis Hamilton, or, you know, you've been around some, some, a lot of those kinds of people. What do you think like the most common themes are, um, about their lives and especially like writing a book that is, you know, letters to a young athlete. Like, I yeah. mean, the, 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 there's gotta be some common <laughs> themes that For know, sure. come up by the way, I got this, um, when I was in, after I went to Austin to the race, I went to, um, oh, Ryan awesome. holidays painted Porsche bookshop. <laughs> and um they got it stamped so that's all right <laughs> extra even more special than just your book yeah i have to thank ryan yeah. yeah we went down there a while ago to see his uh whole operation i think i did his podcast there and the books had just came in so oh, yeah. you know yeah that's so cool just to see your work um in somewhere i mean that's a success to me i, I guess for me that was one of the challenges in writing this book i wanted to bring those common themes to light um, because, that, you know, in my success, that's kind of the thing that I found was that we can all relate to each other. There's always this moment of truth to where it's, you have to make a decision on what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. and, and then that doesn't mean everybody's going to believe you. There's mm -hmm. going to be a long, tough road, you know, that that's promised in whatever goal you're trying to pursue. You know, so for me in, in that reaching um the, you know, the pinnacle of my goals, winning championships, um, being able to do some great things, play with the best athletes in the world, be the best athlete in the world, travel the world, win gold medals. I mean, you know, the chase goes on. Um, I always say kind of one of the fascinating things after about after you accomplish the championship is they come out there, they sweep up the confetti. Now it's about next season. You know, and if you wanted people were like, ah, you, you know, you don't get the credit that you feel that you deserve and all those things. So my, my thing was just to focus on the journey of um, of what you're doing 
Make sure that every day you're working toward a goal. And that's a good start. You know, it, it can be so many challenges that come your way. And again, we all have that in common too, right? I mean, even for you, I mean, I could only imagine, you know, being a woman in, in, in race sport, like <laughs> the things that you have to endure, the challenges that you have to get over. And on top of that, everybody is not going to support you or not going to believe in you, but you can concentrate on those that do. Um, you can build a very strong support system and a very strong team around you. And, you know, if if that's not the case, if you're not feeling where you're supposed to be, then, you know, have the courage to make some changes. I think that's easier said than done, because what that takes is self-confidence, right? <laughs> of course, like it's yeah. all easier said yeah. than done when it's written. It's all done. And we're like, well, you know, I just, you know, I believe in myself. It's like in the moment, of course, like especially the people listening that um, especially I think this this will get some, you know, younger aspiring athletes. And, and it's just like, yeah, of course, it's easier said than done. So what is it that how do you how do you get the confidence or where do you find it? Where do you find the confidence to go? I'm not getting the kind of support I need. I'm not hanging around the right kind mm -hmm. of people. I'm not create having the right discipline. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it. How do you have any awareness? And then like, how do you get, how do you get to awareness? I think self-assessment is always a, a very um, good thing to do. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to sit um, assess your goals, write down your goals if you need to um, be honest about where you are and, mm. you know, good, bad or indifferent. There's still going to be a next step regardless. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm kind of an organized person. So this is just my kind of what I do. But I always kind of self-assess and see where I'm at. How do I feel? Um, and, you know, sometimes that takes investing time in yourself. And I think, you know, in the day to day, we can get away from that sometimes or a person can become overwhelmed and they won't work on what they need to work on for themselves. It'll just be trying to work on that thing that everyone thinks it should, you know, they should be. Uh, so for me, you know, I always just try to keep that in mind. Um, you know, for me, um, maturing to where I am now, I have five children, like I said before. So, my first job is being dad and <laughs> I have to make sure that I'm in the right headspace every day um, to be able to talk to them, to be able to let them know, OK, this is what we're doing today. We've got to finish school. We've got why? Because this is our goal to be educated, to have you know access and be successful later on in life. And, and then really kind of pick up from there and go from there, you know, try my best to stay present and whatever the day brings along, you know, try to dive fully into it. Well, you had a huge career that, you know, I always think about this with athletes. It's like, you don't, I don't feel like you really plan full retirement. There might be like an idea where you go maybe in a few years, maybe I'll play for like five more, maybe three more. Like that's sure. kind of the limit of what you think about when you think about retiring as an athlete, because if you're yeah. going to play, or participate at the level that you you need at, that you want to and that you deserve to play at and participate at. Um, <clears throat> you can't be thinking about retirement. So it either happens one of two ways. It's kind of you know an epiphany, like all of a sudden I'm just not into it anymore, or 
you have something happen like with you where, you know, some people it's a, it's more bot, it's maybe joint or a knee or whatever. And you have Mm. blood clots and like all of these things are physiological that you can't do anything about. And so I think that's a lot of times how a career ends for an athlete. It tends to always feel a little sudden because you can't anticipate the moment. You don't want to play in anticipation. You're playing all in. Um, For sure. But you've got the job of being a basketball player and all the things that go into that. Um, but then you talked about now, you're like, my job now, I'm a dad. And so I'm kind of <laughs> curious, like, because those are, I mean, they're both jobs for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm guessing that there was a, that point in time when you were playing. I don't know if you had all five of your kids while you were playing or not, but I'm sure you started to have a couple of them. Like, you know, the, the, the job of basketball played the, played the primary role. And now you have like solid job of being a dad and that's your, your, your main role. And so, you know, what are the, what, what did, what can you bridge the gap on? Cause there's not a lot of basketball players out there, but there's a lot of dads out there. Right. So like, what did you learn from basketball that helps you being a dad? It's all about teamwork. Um, Mm. whether you're the leader or the follower, um, in order to accomplish great things, you have to have a, a great team, be a part of a great team. And, and, it, mm-hmm. and it requires each person to facilitate what they facilitate, to play their role. And, and I really got that from uh, being in basketball. Uh, I wrote about it in my book, Checking Your Ego. Um, one of the things that, that I found fascinating um, in my career was that I got to take part in a team to where I was the third leg of the stool, which is pretty, still pretty good. Well, you know, in, in, when we're all shooting shots, every basketball player playing boy or girl out there, when they shoot that shot, what are they doing on the, on, in the playground or on their backyard basketball? They're counting down three, two, one, and they're making the shot. If you miss it, you redo it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you can't go not, home until you make it right. Can't go home until you make it. Now, nobody's necessarily making the defensive play, imagining that or getting that rebound or getting that block um, in, in terms of basketball. Uh, but all of those things happened to me because I made the sacrifice and we all made the sacrifice to be part of a bigger team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, was I frustrated that sometimes that I didn't get more shots or Sometimes I felt I was being my greatness was being overlooked. Sure. You know, that's a part of the human process. But all in all, it was about my goal was to be a part of a successful team at the end of the day. And I translate that. That's where I kind of not kind of I bridge the gap uh, with my family because, um, you know, we all have our roles. We all have our jobs day to day. We've got to meet the requirements. You know, we want to be a great family. So this is what we have to do. You know, we're taking these holiday pictures. Let's go. Everybody, close on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nine o'clock. Let's go. You know, vacation. All right, let's go. Get those bags. We got to get them checked. You know, it's uh I told you how many kids I have. So we're a large team when we move. <laughs> so you know, it requires organization. And, 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 you know, anytime we do something as a family, it's a big, you know, it's more than seven people, you know? So we, I, I keep those things in mind. And as um, I guess leading with my wife, um, I want to make sure that we're hitting the marks and making sure, you know, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And with that said, I have to make sure I'm on point, you know, and I have to have those, conversations with myself every morning to you know assess where we are 
what are we doing for the day? And let's meet those goals today. And then that'll be a good day. Yeah. What happens when it slips? Like, cause inevitably it does life happens. Oh, for sure. I, I, we always have this joke. If it's a bad day, you know, Hey, go to bed or something. It'll, it'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I mean, there's, a lot know? Of, there's a lot around the resetting of your, of your energy. Um, I listen mm-hmm. to a lot of Abraham Hicks and it's always like, you know, the yeah. <laughs> sort of you start over in the morning and it's like, you know, set the day you get to, you get to start over with your, with your energy. And, um, it's true. Sleeping on, it's a real thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to be rested. I mean, we can fight our bodies. I'm, I'm one of the main culprits of this. I just want to go, 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 go. Mm. And then I'll hit the wall and then I'll be mad because I'm not rested. It's, Mm. you know, it's all about finding that balance. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to fall into being, uh, you know, full-time dad, full-time father and all that stuff, because, you know, I found to be honest, it was way easier playing basketball, (laughs) you know, because it's what I do. Being a dad is what I do. You you know, playing basketball, it was all about, I felt like it was all about me. I have to go to the gym. I need to Mm -hmm. lace up my sneakers so I can have a good game tomorrow. You need to be quiet so I can get rest, which is great. People play their role. My family plays their role after that, you know, during that time. But after that, you know, it kind of (laughs) it's more of a team thing now. You know, now I have to go to golf lessons and tennis lessons and basketball lessons and be patient and pack the lunches and for someone dry. Yeah. For the team. I mean, that's a big transition. I mean, you know, as athletes, (laughs) like I get, you know, spoken to about kind of the dynamics within my life and how things have gone, but that's for sure. One of them is like, you're so focused and dedicated on your, on what you're doing. Um, and Mm -hmm. need to be, um, so what peaked, I'm wondering like what kind of triggers and what kind of things, what kind of things popped up that you're like, I better deal with this. or this is going to be a problem. Well, I mean, right away, I saw the dynamic of the household. I have three boys. And um, at the time when I knew I wasn't going to play basketball anymore, um, my little ones were babies. My twins were babies. But mm. still, I, I'm, I have a brother, so I know how, uh, uh, you know, boys in the household can be. And, and <laughs> how is my that, son, by the way? What does that mean? I didn't I didn't grow up with boys. What does that mean? Oh, it's rambunctious, high oh. energy. Oh, it's like atoms bumping off of each other. It's the same exact thing. <laughs> They're the just bigger and growing. Atoms. Yeah. And hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for um, that was one of the things that helped ground me was taking my son to school in the morning every day. He was in the mm. first grade. And I had I was in the carpool every day. I'm fresh off of not playing basketball. You know, Chris we're making this change as a family line. People, no doubt they had to have stopped. Oh, yeah. They, they must have knocked oh, on your window. They must. 100 percent. Yeah. I still get approached today. Um, like, oh, yeah, you were in the carpool. Man. Yeah, we were hearing about you. I wanted to. But but even then with my son, that wasn't enough. He said, you know, dad, sometimes we get there early. He said, hey, dad, um, walk me to class. Okay, so I walk into class. Then after that, if the kids aren't in, if everybody's not in school yet, uh, yeah, pick up that book, read that book for me, you know, and we did that every morning, you know, every morning. And so that kind of got me into a rhythm, but it also showed me being a part of the community of the school. um, And this is pre-pandemic, of course, um, 
you know, um, making sure that my son is getting the education that he needs, having that sense of knowing that it's bigger than just me. It's more uh, uh, than just how I'm feeling or what I want to do. It's about what we want to do as a collective. So for me, I need to make sure that he's in a good headspace, you know, so he can have a good day at school. And that was pretty much how I started my day. Personally, professionally, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, you know, moving forward, everything had happened so sudden. But for sure, for sure, that that 40 minute drive to school, <laughs> reading that book and walking my son to class, that's kind of where I started. And then I came back and would uh, uh, write just like journal. You know, really? I did this. Yeah, I did this for weeks and weeks and months. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how um, this book came about, because I noticed when I got home, I would write for a couple of hours and I just noticed like, man, I don't really like what I'm writing about. You know, I don't like these words. I don't like the, you know, I don't like this. Let's change this. And I and, and that made me realize where I was mentally. And, and, and so you were asking me that question earlier. That was one of the things I did to help me out. I call it free writing, just free write, boom, 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 boom. And then and then you wow. read it and I cringe a little bit and say, eh, mm. OK, let me get more to a, a mode of appreciation for the journey as opposed to being mad that it's over because that's only a fraction. Hmm. This life thing is uh, much bigger. If you're willing to share, like, what were you writing about? What were the themes coming up over and over again? Being mad at basketball. <laughs> really? Yeah, being mad yeah. at basketball. Um, it happened just so quickly, so suddenly. I was on top of my game. I was trying to redefine who I was. Um, I even talked to Pat Riley. And we were, you know, a couple months ago, and we were talking about at the time when I had to retire pretty much or you know had to stop playing i felt we were a championship contending team not to mm -hmm. say we would have won but you know when you get there and you're successful all you know all you got to do is get back and focus mm -hmm. and you take you know you take what comes your way um you know not having that chance i was a bit bitter at that you know just having it in so suddenly and but still feeling and knowing that yeah. i'm one of the best players in the world for sure top 20 you know, why? No, no, that having to deal with that. I, I just had to go through those things, go through those stages of grief, realize where I was and eventually, you know, be appreciative of it. You know, you were talking about connections. One of me and my close friends, Josh McRoberts, we both lost the game at the same time. We mm. were both, I think I, I was 31 at the time. He was like 29. And, 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 you know, just to hear someone, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, that guy, bye bye. He always getting hurt. He can't help it if he gets hurt. Nobody right. says I'm going to sign a four year deal and be hurt every year and never play the game that I've always done in my whole life ever again. Yeah. You know, but that's where we kind of connected, accepting those things. And I realized that that is more often the fate of uh, of someone in our profession. So. You know, I, I was even having a conversation with a friend. I said it didn't end. I was so frustrated. I said it didn't end the way that I wanted it to. He said, "Dude, it never does." Never does. That's the, <laughs> so the when he said that, answer, I was like, "Never does." 
He took all the wind out of my sail because I wanted to argue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I heard some good advice at one point. It was like, when you're talking to somebody and they have an issue, you should maybe clear up early on if they just want to vent or if they want a solution. Because yeah. you'll probably get a real answer, even if they're like, man, I just want to talk. And you're like, great, because I have the problem where I like to solve problems. And so if somebody comes to me with an issue, I'm like, all right, what are you doing about it? You know, like <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they just want to get it off their chest, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure that's yeah. where you were at to some degree is like, you know, you kind of just want to get it off your chest and, you yeah. know, you feel a little trapped in the emotions. Um, For sure. Uh, actually, I have one question before I ask something a little bit deeper, but you know, as a, as a sports fan and I am a sports fan, all sports, um, you know, you look at players and you, and you, you know, you, you think, are you really injured? Like, come on, did you stub your toe? Cause you really yeah. need to sit out. And, um, you know, I've judged, you know, being from Chicago, I judged, judged like, you know, bears quarterbacks, or I've judged, you know, um, you know, the bulls when, uh, you know, uh, Rose was on the team and I was like, you know, just like people like that. And you're like, Oh, come on, get out there and play. So truly what is the, what, what happens that makes a player not be able to play the game? Whose decision is it and how bad is it? And is it a short term? Yes. Or is it kind of like a long term? Like we can't let this get worse. And I'm sure there's a range of it, but what's the yeah. general reason? I think, you know, well, I mean, the answer is different now. Now you have um, terms like um, load management mm. to where some guys will probably take a day of rest and not play. Mm. Um, you'll have old school NBA players that will disagree with that heavily uh, because, you know, we were all about pushing through the pain and all those things. I came to have more of a realization how much medicine and doctors play into athletes once I started having my decision or, or not my, my um, what I was going through. But I'll put it to you like this. One of my uh, I, I had a teammate at once upon a time. He um, he he injured his back. And he had, you know, um, surgery on his back years later, he has a toe problem. Then he has um, surgery on his toe now. Could he have stayed? Was it the right procedure that was right for him? I can't tell you, but he progressed quicker than everybody thought he would. He goes to camp, starts the season, gets hurt two months later. You know, now it's nothing that he did. I mean, it's he's just trying to play the game, but his body is telling, okay, he's, you know, something's wrong. And then after I've had another teammate who he kept breaking his foot. Like the metatarsal, it just would go one first metatarsal, third, fourth, fifth, right after he broke the other one, <laughs> you know? So sometimes it can just be this chain reaction that you can never really come back from. And with that said, I mean, for me, I've played with sprained ankles, sprained knees. I've, and then, you know, I've told people, hey, don't wait till you come back. No, not, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> sometimes you have to make a decision. I mean, even for me, I tore my growing, uh, I tore, tore my adductor muscle in the pursuit Ugh. of our first championship. And I didn't tell anybody. I just said, okay, you know, the doctors told me in three weeks, maybe you can play with pain. That's all I needed to hear because I had my goals. You know, was it the best thing? Can't tell you. We won <laughs> the championship. <laughs> I didn't make any excuses. I didn't want to say, ah, well, you know, if I would have been playing, if my 
leg was, I know nobody cares. So for me, I had to be, you know, I had to make that decision to, I guess, yeah. sacrifice my body a little bit to go out there and help this team win. And at the same time, you know, I had to have that moment of truth and saying, okay, no, this is, this is, this isn't it. This, our destiny is winning this thing and I've got to be healthy or, you know, or at least play uh, to win, you know, is it and, and always ultimately up to the athlete or does the team make executive decisions? I think more so now the team is more of an, a, a place to make executive decisions more so than, than before. I think before, um, you know, we've had many athletes, whether they, they were mentally not ready, emotionally not ready, physically not ready, mm. they played. And, and I think um, we're, we've seen some kind of the detriment um, mm. that it could bring. So I think now um, the league sports, I, I think everyone is a little more proactive in trying to preserve health or at least injuries and, and not pushing the player too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that answers a lot of questions. Thank you. Um, <laughs> like a part of that also is motivation, right? Cause like you wanted to win the championship. So like your motivation exceeded the pain. How do you, what, what was your motivation? Let's start there. I'm, I'm curious, mm -hmm. like, especially when it comes to the, the saying of, you know, are you, is it the fear of losing or is it the love of winning? Like if you had to pick one of those to start with, which one would you pick? The fear of losing or the love of winning? I, I picked the fear of losing for sure. Yeah. I, a funny story. Um, I used to play, I started playing basketball when I was like nine years old and it was a, you know, very historic place in South Dallas, a Catholic school, which every Saturday they would have what's called bitty basketball. It's hmm. a league, 10 and under bitty basketball league. And if you were any good player out of Dallas, you played there. It's like the Mecca of youth uh, basketball. And we had a team. Uh, I was in the fourth grade. I was playing up. And we would lose quite often. I mean, if it was another team that went 0-10 in the league, we were 2-8 and because we could only beat them. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> and every game that we lost pretty much – and I mean, it kind of stayed with me until around the seventh or eighth grade. I would cry. I would cry. I mean, it hurt me like just a, like a loss in the family every time. I couldn't help it. And, um, you know, I know my parents were probably just like you were shaking your hand like, ah, man, man, this guy. But that's just, you know, I wanted to be like my heroes. Um, I watched Michael Jordan win a lot of championships and he was still winning. And I just wanted... Just a just a taste, just a little, just what is it like on that small level? Just as that would be a great Saturday <laughs> if we could just win a game, you know, and I just put my all into it. And yeah, I guess I learned how competitive I was and how much I cared, you know. And I guess ever since then it was more so I love winning, don't get me wrong, but yeah, that that fear, you know, and that's what I took into. Um, my professional career. And I don't want to, you know, make fear a negative thing. It just is what it is. That yeah. fear of losing is like, okay, let me watch another hour of film. Everybody, oh, you know, let's yeah. go back to the gym. Yeah. Let me, I always found confidence in preparation. So uh -huh. I felt if I was prepared, if I felt, if I knew my assignment, if I, if I felt I knew I was physically ready, emotionally ready, ready to go, um, that always gave me confidence. And then there's a motive 
playing the game. My, my worries were always in between the big games. Playing the big game is no problem. You know, it gets stressful. Sure. It's playing basketball. It's that time in between where, you know, you have to keep it cool and keep it even for like three days. <laughs> you know, how would your teammates describe you? How would my teammates describe me? I I would love to ask him that question. I, th- I guess like even killed, but um, I would hold people accountable. Um, if I was saying something, I would love just hanging out with the fellas and, 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 you know, being a part of the team, but I more so like to participate just a little bit, but take it in more. Uh, and if there was something that needed to be said, oh, I have no problem saying it. And sometimes it would, you know, my demeanor might be a little more enhanced, <laughs> Which but is, yeah, hey, you gotta I, I just, yeah. Yeah, you got to get the point across, but I always just wanted to play basketball. I always wanted to be a part of a team. I wanted to be that person that uh, guys could talk to and be comfortable with and and know if it's game time, I don't have to worry about him. Mm. We we already know what he's going to bring. He's going to be consistent, Um, you know, like not too high, not too low. Again, a chapter in my book, you know, all about um, doing what's necessary to be successful. So what in your experience makes a good teammate and then what are the characteristics of a, of a bad teammate? I'll start with bad teammate first. Okay. Um, if it comes to a point where they're more so talking about themselves or even the aspirations or more so what they want, as opposed to what's best for the team, um, that can hurt a team. Mm. If um, someone, one of the easiest things to do uh, in a team situation is complain about your role. I, I think that's probably red flag number one. If somebody's complaining about their role and saying mm-hmm. that they could do better than such and such, not saying that they could do better. Of course, we could all do better. They could do better and they're singling out situations and saying, man, I should be doing this. Then, then you know, you got to watch it. Um, I've been lucky enough to play with, you know, some very consummate professionals. And it was only about one thing. And yeah, the dynamic changes daily. Um, you might be asked to do a different role than you did yesterday because someone is injured. Mm. Um, you know, someone's not playing well. You always have to change and 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 be like a chameleon like in the approach, right? Wow. Um, and, and I think you know a good teammate. A good teammate is just that person, like yeah, whatever. Whatever it takes for the team to be successful, let's do it. If I need to score more, cool. If I need to mop the floor, I'll mop the floor. If I need to be the first one here and the last one to leave, I'll do that too. If I need to put a smile on your face because you're grumpy today, (laughs) I'll do that too. If I need to organize a team dinner and get all of the families together, Mm. uh, you know, that could be a great thing. I think a great teammate is always that person looking to uplift everybody around them, you know? Uh, Yeah. How much of a role you mentioned like a team dinner. And so one of the next questions I was going to ask was how much, how critical you think it is to have that time and space outside of the court and outside of the meeting rooms and be like friends, you know, because there's one thing to play together. And it's yeah. another thing to be truly actually friends and care about each other and know each other's families and and invest in each other in a, in a deeper way. Is that do you think that's critical? And, 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 and do you think that's critical? I think it's everything. 
it's a it's a necessary part to team sports. I mean, just kind of um um like uh, so for instance with my family now we uh one of our things that we picked up is eating you know making sure we sit down and eat dinner together it doesn't have to be all the time but when we do it hey i need everybody we do it you know mostly every day but just still like yeah come and eat let me see you eat all right let me talk about your day what else is going on as a unit as a group um that's I think is is one of the most important things to do because uh, I love food. I love to cook, you, you know. Really? And, and so yeah, oh right. yeah. And so you know, it always brings people together. And so you know, that was one of the main things that I saw that made us successful uh, playing with the Heat. Um, you, you know, having those things, saying, okay, hey, we're going to dinner together. We're going. We're going to do this together. We're going to go and support this person's charity. Oh, you know, Hey, you know, my wife is having a charity, please come along. And, you know, members would show up. We'd have good times, great dinners. Those are the parts when you truly get to know each other. Cause you know, once you're on the court, if, if I'm always talking to you and telling you about your mistakes, you'll eventually tune me out. You're going to not want to hear it. But if I know how to talk to you, if I know how to approach you, if I know what you've been going through and you can only get that through these intimate uh, settings, you, you can talk to each other better. Because one, one of the things that I found out, especially in team sports, they're going to there's going to come a moment in the pursuit of success where you're going to have to sacrifice something. Usually it's in the form of your body. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to jump and jump. Your teammate who is your teammate is probably going to turn it over and it's going to be a terrible play. And you can't sit here and be like, but what are you doing? You've got to get back. You've got to make it up. You've got to dive in the stands and you can't even think about it. <laughs> when you see that hesitation, that's the sign of a team that's not close, a team that doesn't have that connection, you know, because if I'm hesitating, if I'm hesitating, I'm losing. The other team gets to lose ball. And, mm. you know, those are mm. plays that are lost now. You know what I mean? So, you know, knowing that we're all going to make mistakes, yeah. knowing that we have to move on to the next part of being present to be fully successful in this moment. You can't drag and hold on to things, which, you know, people don't like. It. That's the main thing they're going to do, right? Hold on to that thing and be like, when you did that thing like, of course you know, come on of course blaming but, instead of yeah. blaming instead of backing them up that's what i'm hearing for sure like, you're gonna sure. blame them and be like i'm gonna walk down the court because you know what we, we wouldn't be in this situation if you wouldn't have lost <laughs> <wasn't for> you. <laughs> blaming you but backing up yeah. means i ain't gonna make you look bad i'm out i'm going right. to get it you know i'm like, on it i'm on it we can talk about it later and i even <laughs> talk to my kids about that too you know i, I tell them hey regardless that's our family motto i've got your back mm. you know i'm gonna hold you accountable and I'm, we've got to do the right things. And I'm going to tell you if, if you're not on track, but I've got your back at the end of the day. And that's all that matters. What do you think was one of the most um, helpful uh, tools that you learned from a teammate or a coach that was like tough love, but love, you know, because there's a way you can weave the you know, thread the needle through the middle, which is not comfortable. It's not like, Hey, bud, gotcha. It's like, Hey, let's sit down. You know, what, what, what did you, what did you learn from what was the most valuable lesson from, from someone in the sport? 
It's, it's one of the most, uh, it's a lot of valuable lessons. One of the main ones um, was I had a, um, Coach Sam Mitchell. He was a young coach at the time, which we've, we've kind of laughed and joked about this. Um, he was coaching us. I was a very promising young player. My favorite player, um, my idol growing up was Kevin Garnett. He was Kevin Garnett's older veteran player that taught him the ropes in Minnesota. Then he very quickly became head coach. And so I'm asking him for all the KG story. I want anything, Kevin, please, you know, give it to me. But, you know, fast forward, I'm aspiring to be a great player, um, making a couple of all-star games, trying to take that next step and be that leader on a great team. And one particular time we were in San Antonio and he took me out the game at the end. And I guess I was, you know, not playing very well on offense. So I let that affect what I was doing on defense. And I was not playing very well on either end of the floor. And he took me out. And that was really the first and the only time that happened in my career. <laughs> and, and and we ended up winning the game. I didn't make a fuss about it or anything. I said, okay, you know, all right, cool. Let me make sure I'm going to be a good teammate. He called me. Uh, we had a conversation afterwards and he said, you know, it's unacceptable for you to be the best player with your ball in the hands on one end of the court and not be the best player on the other end just because you're not scoring mm -hmm. or just because you're not successful on offense. Mm -hmm. A great players learn how to be great players. You need to be you need to play defense. You can rebound. You can help your teammates. You can be enthusiastic. There's so many other things that you can do other than there's just, just this one thing, which is scoring the basketball. You need to look at it in another way. And it was tough. Um, it was it was a chin check a little bit. I never let it happen again, at least in my mind with that team. I'm sure I'm sure I still had much uh, a lot of improvements to do. But um, fast forward to a situation where I'm in a game seven <clears throat> playing against the San Antonio Spurs and I'm in foul trouble and I hadn't scored. And I always tell people this, and I have to just bring it home all the time. I won a game seven in the NBA championship for a back-to-back -back championship team, and I didn't score. Thanks. Ray <laughs> Allen didn't score either. Wow. <laughs> you know, so, and, and I remember when I got in foul trouble, and it's, you, you know, as an athlete, it's kind of like when you're driving and somebody goes by ahead of you, and like, oh, boy, I, that's, that, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> I was in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I just heard his words in my ear just saying, you can do so many other things. Mm. Stay with it in your mind. Stay locked into the game. Support the ones that are going right now. You're going to finish this game separate yourself from the normal person right now because frustration agitation all these words will start to come in and creep up and you know the stage frightness and you know really freaking out because right like i was saying you see yourself hitting that shot or having a spectacular game and i've had spectacular games oh yeah sevens. and in basketball you get to hear the fans you get to hear oh yeah them and you get to hear them oh yeah <laughs> they're grunting <sighs> Man, I'm messing up. <laughs> stay, stay calm, stay with it. And, 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 you know, I was able, um, I, I recognized, um, in the game that I wasn't going to score and I was just off. It was just, you know, 
you know, one of the best teams of all time we're playing against and I'm just having an off night, mm. you know, one of the part of the big three. But one thing I could do was mm. defend the greatest player, you know, to ever play the power forward position <laughs> and allow my teammates to be themselves because I utilized everything that I had and on making it tough for Tim Duncan. And 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 with that said, he he had just annihilated me the game before, you know, so I, I was able just to keep those things intact. And always, that always stuck with me to, you know, keep your head uh, cool in, in, in really, really tough situations that always stuck with me. What happens when you have a total asshole out there? And I know you I know they happen, right? There's the guys and I watch it, too. Like, I'm like, he's dirty. He's provoking him. He's, you know, <clears throat> cheap shotting. He's, you know, like there's, you can watch it happening and you're like, man, that guy deserves to be like, he's, he's, you know, you, it's like the second retaliation is always the worst. It's the biggest punishment. The one poking the bear is like the one poking doesn't get in trouble. It's the one that retaliates. So what do you do? Like, how do you keep cool when there's that going on? And especially like sit it being on the floor as opposed to sitting at home on your floor and watching the TV. Yeah. It's insane how much more physical sure. it is. I mean, you, like, yeah, no, it's hard to have appreciation for how yeah. physical, especially when you're talking about like playoff games and, you know, final games, you know, those mm -hmm. are, I mean, it's insane. Fine so how do you keep cool when there's, cause there's also people probably trying to get into your head, you know, mm -hmm. not only is it just a physical game of emotions, but there's also like tactical manipulation i'm sure too how do you stay cool when that's going on or so do for me you have yeah i mean yeah you 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 learn hopefully um one of my lessons was uh you know again speaking on uh kevin i had a confrontation with kevin one game and he's a notorious trash talker at the time and i let him get in my head and i'm not you know or at least i found that i wasn't that day i had a really bad game and he played really good mm -hmm. <laughs> They want a dramatic it game. Just yeah, it makes it worse. And I found myself in a part where I couldn't sleep. Like it was just I, I couldn't sleep for weeks. And um, and I said, OK, the things that were said, the words that were exchanged, it became about more than just the game. It's just about the game. <laughs> and, oh, and, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, to add on top of that. I should have known better, but you have those lessons, right? I learned from that. I learned that. Let me stay focused and talk about basketball. Now, if, you know, there's a dirty player or something like that, and, you know, this was the way I was raised playing basketball. I grew up uh, playing on the playgrounds. You're going to have those moments where someone tries to bully you. Uh, I went to Lincoln High School uh, in South Dallas, Texas. You have to be intense. You have to be rough. You have to have a chip on your shoulder to a certain extent. I don't all the way agree with that um, <laughs> lingo, but you know what I mean. You yeah. have to have yeah. that confidence and you have to bring it. Yeah. And so, you and know, have I, I have. Yeah. And, and I have I eventually developed uh, a sense of, all right, I'll defend myself. But if we're playing basketball, yeah, let's play basketball. And if we, you know, if, if it wants to get a little more physical, good thing I lifted waist this this offseason. Good thing this is what I do because I knew this was going to happen. I knew you were going to be dirty. I knew you were going to be physical, but you know, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody could be talking to me and I just look at him like, all right, cool. Keep it up. <laughs> ah. I want to hear you talking that same way in the fourth quarter. You didn't let them win. 
oh no, we're gonna I'm gonna put a pin in this, and then oh, we can talk later too. I'm a, I, I'm not just gonna you know sit here and take it and just be oh no, we're gonna you're gonna respect me because I you know love this game. I'm strong. I'm strong mentally, and I feel that we have the best team, and that's what it's about competing right now. And I'm gonna compete at the highest level, and then after that, if you want to shake my hand, that's great. But you will respect it. And I had to, you know, me being uh, more uh, of a skinnier guy, you get that growing up. People are going to come and try to beat you up. You know, if you have some sort of perceived weakness, yeah. you know, you're going to be challenged. And that's okay. You know, yeah, and I mean, sometimes you're going to lose. Insecurity, you know, they're, yeah. you know, that, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what manipulation is. That's, you know, that's what yeah. getting into someone's head is about. It's like. I know what might make them a little irritable. I yeah. know what might make them feel a little self-conscious. Did you yeah. have rules? I don't, I, mean, I don't know if there's, and maybe you didn't, but like, is there any kind of rules that you had for yourself along the way that you're like, look, I'm not going to let this go past, you know, I'm going to give myself two hours after the game, or I'm going to give myself like, were there any rules or like, Hey, I'm going to let them chip at me or, or elbow me three times. And then, <laughs> on. you know, did you have any kind of rules of engagement? I always uh, considered, yeah, I always considered myself an artist uh, out there on the court. So it just that happens, it, it, you know, it, I guess it's all how I feel. Some days you don't want to take anything. You don't want to take no shit. You know, I feel like my grandma, my grandma, my great grandma said, don't take any wooden nickels. You're giving me wooden nickels right now. Get that out of my face. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's a story of a masterfully like executed mind game that you played where someone is kind of getting at you you're whether you're having a good or bad day but like what is one of these games where you're like man that could have gone a different way but i freaking nailed it <laughs> i think um specifically one time i won't name who the player is but um we'll try we were on the verge yeah we're on the verge <laughs> of clinching a championship and um our goal is to win one more game. And we, I mean, it's been physical the whole time. They probably thought that they could be more physical and out and get in there. But we had been doing this for weeks, two about hmm. two weeks. And um, we're on the precipice of uh, of a championship. And so this um, would have been finals and this would have been. NBA yeah. Finals. Oh, we're in the finals. Last two weeks. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. We're in the, the finals. Week. Got it. We're in the finals. It's winning. It's, it, this is it. You know, forget tomorrow. We got to win today. And there was a moment very, very early in the game where, you know, we got into a confrontation and, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk. I had been tired of hearing talking the whole time, everybody talking. And yeah, I just had to let them know how I feel, but I left it at that. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't disrespectful. I left it at that. We had probably a 30 second exchange and I went right back to doing what it is that I'm supposed to do. But I didn't try to get back at that person by scoring on them or making it look bad. Let's continue to have our onslaught, you know, directed as a team and let me play my part. And then there's a reason why I'm talking to you because I'm tired of you talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, you know, I had to let them know, like, hey, after today, the season will be over for you. You can have plenty of time. Go talk to somebody else. Don't talk to me, man. I'm out here. We're about to beat you. You're about to lose. And it is what it is. Now's not the time. You should have done that a week ago. You should have tried to do that two weeks ago. 
now. And usually what I find, I think um, Arthur Ashe had a quote um, of saying how it's more so him against himself, because if he's continuously competing, if you're playing against that person that's just trying to get in your head and you not only are answering the call, but it's getting better and better and better as time goes on, because that's what you train yourself to do. Then you watch them lose it. That's the best part. <laughs> and they did that. You, oh, man, you watch them fall apart. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, I, I think I'm a funny person. So I try to try to use it as material. Now I'm getting under your skin. Now, how do you like it? You know? Oh, I always, yeah. Well, you, I always love it. <laughs> totally. You can get under people's skin by just not reacting because they're trying to get a reaction. For sure. And that's what I had to notice. Like, oh, you just need you need me to say something to you. And, and yeah. after a while, I, I can't garner the respect of certain players. I'm not going to. That's what he wants. He wants me to engage with him so he can be get that thing to be great. Mm. You, on the other hand, no, 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 no. Mm. <laughs> you have to pick and choose, right? <laughs> what about a turnaround? Because there had to have been guys that turned it around. I mean, they say, you know, you say like people are the same, you know, people don't change kind of thing. But I don't agree with that. I think that there's. There's always there's there's always an opportunity. And I think there are definitely people that do change and evolve. And <clears throat> I'm curious if you were if you witnessed any of that and, and what what was what were some of the things? Because, look, I mean, we're all human and we all make mistakes. And so we can all be better. And what what were you know, what what did they do that made you go? OK, I respect you now. I'm going to have to pat myself on the back on that one, mm-hmm. um, only okay. because. Yeah, only because um, losing the game so early, so quickly, and you realize that the game goes on. You know, as as um, great a career as I had, it's just it goes on. There's going to be another player. There's going to be another situation. What I've done is in the history books. You, you know, being going from the greatest heights, and it again, all being about me in the pursuit of things. And some people can be selfish in those pursuits and say, mm-hmm. hey, I've got to go and be the greatest basketball player I can be. But I've had that time. Now it's time for me to, like I said before, pack those lunches, help pack the lunches, bring them, make sure everybody's got their backpacks, got their water. All right, let's go to practice. Mm-hmm. That's me now. And then I have to believe in that greater good. That is a step towards greatness. Um, even if you can't see it at the time, you have to mentally project what you want to do, put in the work. We always say that around here all the time, put the work in. And that's what it's about. So I only I only say that because it was such a tough transition of coming from being a basketball player, only because you don't realize it, how much you're catered to until you're done playing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, wow, I'm going to the notary today. You know, I'm getting keys made. We're going grocery shopping and <laughs> dropping kids off at school. Like, you know, your defense mechanisms start kicking in. Like, what happened to you? You used to be even people kind of, you know, it's interesting. People say, oh, Chris, what are you doing nowadays? Like, You'd be surprised, dude. <laughs> <laughs> time you got? It's a lot yeah. of <laughs> You'd be surprised. And again, I know I have a lot of kids, but I have a professional life as well. And, you know, trying to keep that afloat and keeping uh, our family name strong and well represented. Those things take time and it takes work. And so when I'm watching and I see these uh, masterful plays that almost look like. 
uh, how did anyone know the ball was coming to them? Like, how do you know? I mean, there's like no look passes. There's somebody just running and they catch it midair and dunk it and at the other end. And like, there's just things happening. And you're like, you weren't even looking. Like, how did that happen? And there's no way they can all be plays. Yeah. Is that true? They're not all plays, um, right? Not all the time. It might start um, like that, but then they have like you're you're you you always have to play off of what the defense is doing before you can make a play. That's what makes basketball such a wonderful and, and really just sports. I love sports. It's uh yeah. it's modern day theater. Yeah. Um it, it's if I were a coach, I would try my best to coach my team into just being intuitive, playing with each other within ah. a system. But if you zig, I know you're zigging. If you're going to zag, I know it. it. You know, it takes repetition. You have to Patterns. go over it. So, like, be yourself out there so you know what yeah. someone's going to do. So, what I For really sure. want to know is how do those plays happen? Like, get, how does it happen where it's just this, you know, it's the sports that are play and you yeah. just – you know, there's things happening that just seem beyond beyond a play. They are almost like telepathy on court. I, th I think, again, that comes through repetition, doing the same moves over and over and over, watching the same situations. Um, and, and, you know, you can't control when they happen. I, mm -hmm. I know a bunch of times for me, I would try to read in patterns. I've researched it um, that chess players do the same thing. Mm -hmm. They've they've memorize so many great games and so many just just a pattern right there and they'll see it and it's stored somewhere in the subconscious and they just do the patterns and then you know there is a mode of letting the body take over letting the subconscious letting those artistic things develop and just come out of you and that's where you get that no look thing and you'll ask the you know, with all due respect to people that ask the question, what were you thinking? I don't like that question. You, I wasn't thinking. You're in that place between conscious and not thinking. That's where you want to be. You want to be totally in the moment because I can read a play and then I can have 12 different scenarios come through my head because wow. I've got, you know, the five man on the same side as me, the one, the two, and the three is over there. I'm the four. Oh, wow, this would be interesting if this happened. All right, then the play happens and some things happen. You're looking for certain cues and then you might get them, you might not. But it's the reading and reacting in real time that I just think when that's just together, it's just beautiful. And then that's what I love uh, about um, the sport of basketball. When you have someone or a team just working on all cylinders, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's great. It's great to watch. I'm I mean, this is. <laughs> fascinating answer because of what I'm hearing is it's basically like, I don't know, it's almost like getting the thinking mind out of the way, which is interesting because mm -hmm. there's plays, right? So there's some, something to execute. It's, but it's actually in the, <clears throat> in the feeling and the reading the situation and acting intuitively and being natural and being yourself that you end up with those magical plays. For sure. Uh, one of uh, the things I read, a um, an old uh, Japanese samurai book called The Way and the Power, and it had a technique in there that I really, really felt and gravitated towards called motion. And um, I'm sure the Japanese word has its own meaning. I don't even think you probably could even translate it into <laughs> English, but essentially the essence of it is attacking with no mind. So 
not only preparing yourself for those moments, but allowing your body just to do its thing and, and be comfortable in being in the present. I think that's um that's where you get those those things that, you know, the, those sports center plays, those amazing things. And sometimes when you ask somebody, how'd you do that? I'm sure you know from experience, you'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> it was the right thing to do. I love spirituality and reality and the nature of reality and how things work. And like, can you, does that, do you pull that over into regular life? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, just having those moments of, um, again, we talked about photography earlier. Mm. Uh, if my, you know, kids are playing outside, my wife, I might be like deep into something and my wife might be like, Hey, we're planting flowers outside. All right, cool. I'm gonna grab my camera and go, you mm. know, I'm not really thinking about it. Yeah. Even the settings on the camera. I'm not even thinking about that either. Just what looks good. And, you know, hopefully it'll be something later, but staying totally in the moment, uh, appreciating that moment, appreciating the flower, maybe smell the flower, you know, smell the roses, right? Um, look at the color, appreciate those things that those are the things that I'm working on now that, um, you know, you know, I, I really, really love even with us being in the holiday season, um, you know, the pandemic happening. I haven't seen my family. I got to see, see my aunt. She's uh, 80 years old now. And, you know, we're just talking about family history. I want to know where I come from and I want to know how it was when you were my age. She was dealing with segregation. Mm. She was a police officer as a woman. Wow. In the, in the, wow. In the Dallas Police Department That's in awesome. the 70s and 80s. That's I said, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> now Tell I me know some stories about that. Bravery is in your blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and, 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 you know, you get confidence. a better sense of who this person is. Yeah. Having the confidence to do that, yeah. make a bold decision uh, um, for both herself and her family in, a, in the pursuit of a better life, you know, for, you know, because for my ancestors, just that's how it was. We just wanted to have a better life. We just wanted to have more access. We just wanted to be successful. So, you know, being in the present really helps me um, do those things because usually it's easy to say I'm too busy. I'm famous. I've got stuff to do. I'm sorry, grandma. I'm sorry, auntie. And then you'll, you know, probably, you know, regret those decisions later. So yeah, I, I do my best. I'm not saying, you know, I'm the best, but I do my best to have some presence about me and know that it's not about me. If my son comes and wants to play chess, which don't give me, he, he beats me sometimes. He was my ass, you know, on most days. And I'm losing to a, a nine-year-old. It's it's a it's an ego check a little bit, but he not wants for to play. Him. Was, not for him. It's building up him, you know. But for me, it's building up me too because I'm like, okay, all right, cool. Let me let me give some strategy together. Let me let me do this. But more importantly, let me spend time with my son. Oh man, happiness. Um, of course, uh, we always want to instill a sense of happiness, a sense of purpose. Um, having your thing that you are passionate about and going after uh, compassion. Uh, we want all our children to be compassionate mm -hmm. and, um, you know, to, to, to really be compassionate about your, your teammate, the person to your left, the person to your right, have your sister's back, have your brother's back, make sure that you are protecting each other. Um, and then, you know, just really just preparation as they get older, just preparing them for what's out there. 
um, and preparing ourselves too. Um, but, um, you know, that's one of, I, I think since the pandemic happened um, and is happening, we have really, really found a sense of self in our family, you know, learning how to coexist around each other. Cause everybody can't do that. Um, learning how watching them, you know, to hear, unfortunately, some parents say, ah, oh, the kids nowadays, right. You always get that the thing the kids nowadays but to watch you know they don't go outside anymore they're on their devices but mm. to watch my kids play a game that they just totally made up and they're uh-huh. all playing together you know that's um that's just such an amazing thing to watch them jail as a unit uh because i tell them all the time you know we have we have to have each other's back because out there in that world nobody not not everybody has your best intention yeah. and find your tribe you know as they yeah, find your tribe. This is your tribe right here. This is our tribe. And there's no other better place. There's no other better tribe to be a part of than this one. And so we try to instill that in them on, on a daily. And on top of that, yeah, be active, yeah. have your pursuits, play, you know, play some games, have some friends and, you know, just enjoy this life. All right. Well, now let's fast forward. Like, I don't know, maybe like 20 years. How old is your, what's your age range of kids? What's the oldest and the youngest? 13 to five. Okay. So let's say, yeah, let's say 20, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, how do you hope, how do you hope that your kids would describe you as dad? I want the easy, simple things as dad. I want them to be, to feel like they can talk to me mm-hmm. about anything if they choose to. And they know they can go to dad for a good home cooked meal. Oh. <laughs> I think, um, you know, and, and to know again, that's, that's our motto. So I know they had that I have their back and I've had it. Um, I think that's what's most important um, as they get older. Yeah. 30 years from now, if if they say that, then, oh, man, you know, that'll be uh, great for me. I, of course, I have ambitions of wanting to be successful as a person holding, not holding them to that standard, but for providing that standard of what's possible, because I know they're going to far exceed whatever it is that I do or I have done if they want to. But just to have that marker and say, all right, cool. I just want to be a decent example to say, okay, when they're having trouble, when I'm not there, they can hopefully, you know, remember that time or, oh, well, you know, dad did this or dad did that. But at a very like cellular level, yeah, I can talk. He's going to be my dad. And man, I'm going to get something good to eat. <laughs> reliable. I said before, and yeah. They're fed on <laughs> Fed on an emotional level and a physical. <laughs> Absolutely, I, and and maybe get a couple of good old stories about the you know the, the old days when I was younger, some stuff like that, and and learn some stuff. That's kind of what I'm trying to get from my family now as they get older. Maybe. Is just hearing those human stories. We're all human, mm-hmm. you know. Hearing that time of yeah when you were uh, struggling or when you didn't know what to do. Right. That's most of the times when we want to express ourselves or when we want to talk and try to figure out what it is that we're doing, Um, you know, to have some content there as well. Because I think sometimes we can always get into a mode of. I'm the two time champ and you can never, you know, (laughs) 
you can never get that. I don't want that to be. I want them to know that everything is attainable. They put their mind to, but most importantly, have your own voice and do the things that fulfill you. And, you know, somewhere in between that, we can connect um, on, on a father and uh, child, you know, relationship. And then as they become adults, change with them, be used to them, you know, changing as an adult, as an adolescent, as a teen, just go on the ride with them. Well said, because, you know, I think there's a lot of times where you're in families where people like are, I think there's a pressure to stay the same, like, oh, what you think you're better than me now? Or, you know, it's like grow and evolve together. And I think that's beautiful. The only other thing I'm wondering is if you need wine at that table when you're feeding them, because I make some, and if you need some, I can (laughs) have some to to, to, to give. Look, if, you know, I'm not in, I don't, I, I don't know everything, but if I would have known that I would have had a glass right here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We love wine. We would love oh, to have man. some of your wine. Absolutely. Well, I would love to send you some. So when we're done, of course. I get, to get a shipping address. Ab- easy. That's easy. Absolutely. We'd love to support too. <laughs> oh, geez. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you've had a phenomenal career. You have an incredible reputation. I feel like after this, you know, your NBA championships and gold medals, it's like, those are wonderful, but you're even more wonderful, which is, you know, why you have the reputation you do. And I'm sure that's why you've accomplished what you have. So um, thank you for sharing with me, but then of course, like sharing in your book, these, these gems of, of, of learning that, you know, come the hard way that hopefully you can give some people advice to shortcut some of the shortcomings, but people look up to you and, um, you do a great job with them. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Same to you. Congratulations on everything you're doing. It's awesome. The book and this podcast, I mean, it's heard around the world. That is uh, such an incredible thing. Congratulations on that. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.